Psalm chapter 34 is where we will be in this evening's message. Thank you for being here tonight. If anybody stands up and screams touchdown, you know that they have their phone on. The more you say amen, the quicker I will preach. It's a lively service tonight, I figured that. We're in Dallas, so, or around at Dallas. Psalm chapter number 34, you can remain seated for the reading of the Word of God this evening. Psalm chapter 34. Last week we, t- we covered on Sunday evening the teaching of the fear of the Lord, which was toward the end of the passage. Today we're going to be covering the inscription and the verses that follow in some more detail. Psalm chapter number 34, the inscription reads, A Psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. And the scripture reads, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Let's bow for prayer. Our Father, we come into your presence this evening. I thank you for this good turnout on this Sunday night. I pray, Lord, that as we open your word, that you might open our understanding to the psalmist, to the season of life he was certainly going through. I pray, Lord, that we might all consider how the psalmist was feeling and what he was going through at this period of time. And Lord, may the words resonate in our hearts as we apply them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The inscription is very important. This was during a time of life in David's life that took place after he was anointed to be king, after he slew Goliath, and before he became king. This was during that lengthy period of time when he had determined that he would not lift his hand to God's anointed. In spite of the fact that he had two chances, at least two, to kill Saul, he did not lift his hand to God's anointed and he trusted God to have Saul removed. And so this was during a time period in his life when he was going through a lot of moving around and a lot of stress and much difficulty. The scripture points out here the the particular situation which took place in 1 Samuel chapter number 21. And if you would flip your Bible back to 1 Samuel chapter number 21, we're going to consider a few things that took place here before we go back to our text. 1 Samuel chapter number 21, we read the story... First of all, how David had gone in to see the priest Ahimelech. The first part of the chapter, David was on the run. This is just after Saul had tried to kill his own son. Saul had gone out of his mind to the point where he threw a javelin at Jonathan because Jonathan was trying to talk sense into his father and saying, what did David do to you? David doesn't deserve to be slain. 
Because Jonathan knew that David was a faithful servant. So after the javelin was thrown at Jonathan, Jonathan came out with a secret pact with David and shot an arrow behind him and further. And he had a lad chasing an arrow down. And he said, isn't the arrow beyond thee? And that was a, a sign to David that his life was in danger. And after the young man went and grabbed that arrow and grabbed it back, Jonathan shooed him off. Back to the, uh, no, no doubt, back to the city. You go on now. And after that, David made himself known and they had sweet fellowship together, him and Jonathan. David's life is in total danger at this time. A crazy king who had all authority in the kingdom to kill him was chasing him down. He runs in First Kings chapter, or First Samuel 21, he gets to Ahimelech, this priest. Amazingly, this priest still had the sword of Goliath housed there. We find here how that David was able to eat of the showbread that was brought before the Lord. A story that Jesus referred to in the New Testament when he confused the living daylights out of the Pharisees. I love that story. Have you not read somehow Christ approved of David eating that showbread? If Jesus says it's okay, it's okay. If the Pharisees say it's wrong, you don't need to listen to the Pharisees all the time. I got a couple of amens. I told you guys, if you say amen, I'll get you out of here quicker. But you're not, you're not doing very good. Thank you, Brother Bob. And so, the Bible speaks of the, the sword of Goliath being here with Ahimelech. And by the way, Ahimelech lost his life for this situation. There was an Edomite there, a descendant of Esau, who betrayed them. And that crazy king slew all of them. And I believe only Abiathar was able to escape. And Abiathar was with David for the remainder of his life. The Bible says in verse number 10 of 1 Samuel 21, this was the circumstances that Psalm 34 was written. He's on the run for his life. He's now fleeing with the sword of Goliath. In verse 10, and David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Ashish, the king of Gath. Now, put yourself in David's shoes. He's in Philistine territory. This is enemy territory. You think about where he's at. He's alone. In verse number 11, And the servants of Ashik said unto him, Is not this David, the king of the land? Did not they sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul is slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Ashish, the king of Gath. You ever thought about something so much that you got afraid? I got a couple of nods. You ever, you ever work yourself up into trouble or think about something that truly troubled your soul? Years and years ago, I was out on visitation with my family, and <clears throat> my second-born daughter was on a trampoline with my family. And uh, a ball hit her, and when she dismounted, she fell on the ground. And the man whose house we were over, he, he, he gasped, and he just said, It's broke! And I didn't see what had happened. All I knew is my daughter stood up, and she wasn't crying. When I saw her arm, she had two elbows. She had an elbow here, and these two bones were broken, and her hand was pointing to the sky. She was only four years old. And when we took her to the hospital, we had just moved to that place. I didn't even know how to get to the hospital. I was driving a 1996 Dodge Caravan. These are in the days back before I even had a GPS. 
And I was heading down to that hospital thinking, what am I going to do for my daughter? What if she goes into shock? I started having some terrible thoughts, terrible fear, panic, if you will. I wasn't trusted in the Lord, but I was, I was really troubled. And then the doctors told me that they were going to put her under. And uh, I had heard uh, some stories about, you know, just kids that went into surgery and never came out because the anesthesiologist or things that had taken place during surgery. And I began to have great fear. The thoughts of my heart troubled me that day. I remember going outside of that hospital once I finally arrived. We got some help from people that were driving on the road out there, pointed us to the right place. And I remember the stars being out so bright that night. And as I walked under those stars, I said, Lord, this is the first time in my life that my little daughter is not with me. I trust you. I'm trusting you to help my daughter. And amazingly, they, they did put her down and uh, they... They uh, were able to set the bones without even cutting her open. And uh, God went on to do some great things with her. And uh, I remember there being some other times in my life when I was really wrestling with the subject of fear. I don't know that I've ever been in a place like David was where I was truly in fear for my life. A couple times maybe, but not like this. Not where I had someone who was in great authority who was trying to take my life. And now David's in enemy territory. You know that David killed a Philistine before this. You know, it's amazing to me that the Jewish women were singing songs about David in the streets and somehow the words of what they said had reached all the way to Gath. It reached all the way to Ashish here. Ashish heard the very songs that were sung about David. This is kind of a foreign land. But you know, word travels. Word always travels. And this was before the days of email, text, Instagram, and TikTok. Word travels. And in verse number... 12 of this passage, David laid up these words in his heart and he was sore afraid. The reason he was afraid was because they said, hey, this guy's been anointed to be king. This guy has been anointed by God to be the king in Israel and David was in fear that day because he felt like his life was going to be taken. Now you may come up to the next portion of scripture and you may judge David. You may say that he wasn't trusting God. You may say that nobody should ever act like this. But I always try to encourage people, never judge someone until you've walked in their shoes. Some teacher, teacher people are around these days. And they love to to, to judge other people when they've never been uh, where they've been. I want to encourage you. Everything's not always black and white. And in this situation... David was trying to trust the Lord. He was also trying to act wisely. The Bible says in verse number 13 that David changed his behavior before them. And he feigned themselves mad in their hands. And scrabbled on the doors of the gate. And let his spittle fall down upon his beard. As I read that verse, I start thinking that there's even some people here in this place that might not even need to change their behavior. To be described by that verse. This is a tough crowd. David was acting like he was crazy. He was no doubt talking crazy. He was writing on the wall. This isn't something that you do. The Bible says in verse number 14, Then Ashish, then said Ashish unto his servants, Lo, ye see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need, have I need of, a, of mad men that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? 
Now that's a good question. You know, sometimes you need to determine whether or not you're going to let someone into your house. Sometimes you let them in your house and they don't leave. But this guy was really thinking it through. I'm not going to bring this man in. Now, he did not kill David. The worst that David thought did not happen. But we read in the next verse, 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and every the, everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented, gathered themselves unto him. And he became captain over them, and there were with him about four hundred men. Now if you flip your Bible back over to Psalm chapter number 34, that is the context that we're dealing with. That is what took place in David's life when he wrote Psalm chapter number 34. He was struggling with fear. He was on the run for his life. He was in a place of distress. I could only imagine what it was like when he got to the cave. When he got to that place called Adullam. It was probably a place to him that was a place of solitude and comfort. Sometimes when I get alone with the Lord, I do sing. I pray. It's actually good to be alone with the Lord. God can deal with you when you're alone. In fact, when you pray to the Lord, sometimes you need to stop and listen to what the Lord has to say to you. I imagine that this cave brought some solace to David. He had been out in fields and running back and forth and on the run for his life and carrying around this sword and running here. He was hungry. He He was in a difficult place. He was in a straight place. A straight place meaning a narrow place. And when he got to this cave, I could no doubt believe that Probably the acoustics in the cave was probably pretty good for a musician. And David began to pen the words of this psalm. Now, psalms are songs. It's a Hebrew song that's written here. David would have sung this song in a Jewish tune. They still, some churches still sing out of a psalter. But in verse number one, he pens these words, which are very important for us. Even when we're going through distress, even when we're going through hard times, you need to understand what David did by way of giving us instruction. Here is how to respond to a time of distress in your life. When you get alone, when you get away from the, 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 uh, the, the hustle and bustle of life, when you get away from your enemies, when you get that place of solitude, remember, here are the first things that we should do as a Christian. Number one, verse number one, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He says the word I will. This is a choice. Many of us need to make the choice to praise the Lord. Praising the Lord is a very important choice. Now sometimes we as Christians give our joy and our peace to other people. Someone upsets us. Someone says something that irritates us. Someone in our family has done something to, to either make us mad or we're crossways with them. And what we do is we give more time focusing on what went wrong in our life than focusing upon the Lord. And I've known many people who will spend all day thinking about everyone who did them wrong as opposed to getting over to the worship of the Lord and to bless the Lord. 
If you give your thoughts to that which is troubling you more than you give your thoughts to worship, do not be surprised when you do not have founded thoughts and you are unhappy all the time. I will bless the Lord at all times. Now that doesn't come out of second boojack. That's not written in second opinions. That's my spiritual gift of sarcasm. That's the best it gets. Okay. Of all the gifts that I got spiritually, I got that one. Okay. I, you know, what I'm saying is I didn't come up with that. That's scripture. Now this is being written by someone who was extremely successful to win over the problems that he had. And one of the secrets of that is blessing the Lord, is focusing on the Lord during times of distress. In the second part of the verse, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We not only should bless the Lord personally, we should bless the Lord regularly or continually. We need to be blessing the Lord. Many times people as, as it, who hang around churches, they've got a consumer or a contributor mentality. Are you a consumer? Are you just someone who comes to church and says, bless me, preacher? (laughs) Or are you somebody who comes to church and says, Lord, make me a blessing? Now, we need to be blessing the Lord. We need to be praising the Lord. This should be a continual part of our life. Let me ask you this. How's your praise record going this last week? David found time to praise even when he was in the midst of of distress. Verse number two, he says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. And then he invites other people. I'm sure that when these people who were in debt and discontented and his brethren, they came up to him in the cave. When David said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I'm sure they heard this. You know, those who praise the Lord want other people to praise the Lord with them. It's good to praise the Lord. That's Bible. That's biblical. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. Here, we're in Psalm 34, just to make sure that we understand this. Psalm chapter 92, just a few pages over to the right. Psalm chapter 92, I love the turning of pages. If you bring your Bible to church, you've done a good thing. Psalm 92 and verse number 1. The inscription reads, A psalm... Or song for the Sabbath day. So this song was written for the day of worship. Verse number one. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. How about you? Do you believe it's a good thing? Now some of you can't say that because during song services you don't sing. Well I don't have a good voice. Well, that's where the whole joyful noise thing comes in. You know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Some of you may not have an incredible voice or, you know, a harmonious voice. It might harmonize with someone. And I've known many people who could sing, but um, they couldn't harmonize with anyone. Uh, Everything was either flat or sharp or something else. I have no idea. And there are some people who are challenged, but still, you should be able to sing to the Lord. Do you realize that if you have no song in your mouth, that could be an identification that you are not in fact saved? You say, well, where do you come up with that? Have you ever sang We're Marching to Zion? They used to sing songs like that in church all the time. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord. Join in a song with sweet accord. And thus around the throne. And thus around the throne. The second verse of that song says this. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God. 
That means if you don't know God, don't worry about it, don't sing. But children of the heavenly king, but children of the heavenly king will speak their joys abroad, will speak their joys abroad. We're marching to Zion. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. Hey, listen, do you love the Lord? Sing to the Lord. Listen, now, if you love the Lord, you may give the Lord three hours a week if you're coming to church. Maybe four, if you come to Sunday school. We spend very little of our time praising the Lord. Even in church, the praise of the Lord and the singing of the Lord takes place normally during the song service. In fact, most prayer services are not lifting up praise to the Lord, but your days should be filled with the praise of the Lord. And when we come to God's house, it should be a place where occasionally a hand is lifted, where people are happy, where people are excited to be there. And I want to tell you something, you young people can get on this too. Shouldn't just be us older folks getting excited about the things of the Lord. I mean, one day you younger people are going to be those who are occupying places into the church. One day I'm going to get beyond my measure of service. Someone's going to have to take this place. I want to tell you something. If you get in love with the Lord, you're going to find it in your heart to praise Him. And you're going to find it in your heart to say, hey, you need to come with me. You need to magnify the Lord with me. Back in Psalm 34, David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. In verse number four, he starts talking about a personal testimony in this. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. How many of you married couples, and you do not need to answer this question, have ever had a hypothetical argument? Say, what do you mean by that? I mean, you argued over something that may or may not happen, and then it turned out that it never happened. Some of you are looking at me like a calf looks at a new gate. You know, they're like, I I don't know what you're talking about. You've never argued with your spouse over something that never happened, and then it never did happen. You know, that's kind of a worthless argument. Have you ever had a fear that was unfounded? You ever had a fear that just, it never came to fruition? Have you ever had a fear that you prayed about and asked God to deliver you from whatever was causing you this fear and then God came through and he brought his help to you and he just lifted that fear? Hey, listen, when we go through times of fear and distress, there is a place where we can turn to. You guys aren't doing very good tonight. Verse number four, I sought the Lord. That's where David began. I sought him. When we go through fear and times of distress, I seek the Lord. I'm seeking after you, Lord. And the Bible says he heard me. The Lord answered my prayer. He delivered me from all my fears. You know, that's something to praise the Lord about. He goes on to say, they looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. He goes on again in verse six, this poor man cried. You say, David wasn't poor at this time in his life. He was very poor. He was hungry. He was on the run for his life. He had no home. He had no place to pillow his head. I'm sure the cave wasn't like the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm sure the cave wasn't a very comfortable place. I'm sure it was cold. I'm sure it was dark. I'm sure it was wet. He said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. Where did he write this? He wrote this from a cave. He wrote this before he was delivered. That's pretty good. Boy, if you can praise the Lord in the middle of trouble, you're really getting somewhere. Notice what David says. And I want, to, I, want, I want you to understand this. Safety comes from the Lord. The Bible says this in verse number 7. Now this is a truth that you'll find in the scripture. 
The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Do you realize that a Christian, that the devil can't touch you unless the Lord allows it? Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Listen, the devil's power is to be certainly respected, but the devil is not more powerful than the Lord. We shouldn't be going around living in fear. Ooh, the devil. Ooh, the demons. Ooh, I don't know what. No, no, no. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. Do you fear the Lord? The devil can't touch you. Not unless the Lord allows it. I'm glad when you have somebody encamping round about you. You remember that story in the book of 2 Kings. I believe it was around verse number 5 or chapter number 5. Where Elisha's servant comes back to Elisha and they were surrounded by the Syrian army and he said, what are we going to do? <laughs> and Elisha comes out and he said, open his eyes, Lord. And above the armies of Syria there were flaming, uh, a, a flaming host, angelic host that was encamping around the mountain above. And the Lord struck all those folks with blindness and they were led away. You know, sometimes we need to remember that our God is more powerful than our enemy. And we've also read the back of the book, and we know that we're on the winning side. You know, the Lord, if God be for us, who could be against us? And if the devil be against us, so be it. We have the Lord on our side, and the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. I I want you to know that when when the Lord is around, there is safety. Have you ever known that God's going to take care of you? I remember listening to a song one time. I was in the middle of a move. And this group was singing this song. I was in a moving truck and they were singing that song, Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied, God will take care of you. I didn't know where my next dollar was going to come from, but I knew that that song was speaking truth to my, my heart. And you know what? God took care of me. The Bible says I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God doesn't forsake his people. God helps His people. Maybe you're in a place today and you're dealing with fear. You, you, you may feel abandoned. I want to tell you something. God promises that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You've got, you've got someone who encamps around you if you fear the Lord. In verse number 8, there's a sign up over in the mission house that says this. It's right in the kitchen. You know, food brings, you know, certain joy to my heart. If I talk about food, you might see a smile come to my face. We had some good food around here. I mean, this church knows how to eat. I mean, you know about us Baptists. If we're eating, we're meeting, we're eating. And if we're not meeting, we're not eating, you know. I don't know if you've ever heard that one about the kindergartners who went to school and they were in a show and tell little program and a little Muslim boy came in. He said, hi, my name's Mohammed and we go to church on Fridays and we pray towards Mecca. And uh, then a little Jewish boy came in. He said, hi, my name is, is John, and I wear this little hat on my head, and we worship on Saturdays. And uh, then the other kid came in. He said, hi, my name is David. I'm a Baptist, and this is a casserole. <laughs> I thought it was good. I'm somebody who's come close to the Lord, and I've eaten at the devil's table before. You know what? The devil's a master liar. He tells you you're eating steak and potatoes when you're eating crumbs from the devil's table. Isn't that good? The devil will leave you dead at at the bottom of a ditch, tell you that everything's good in your life. Have you living in a cardboard box and telling you, hey, you're doing a good job. Aren't I treating you well? 
When you get to the Lord and sit at his table, I want to tell you something. It's nothing but the best. When you sit at the Lord's table and you take a, a, a bite to eat from what the Lord prepares for you, when the Lord prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, when he cooks some food and puts it before you, when you take that first taste, it's sweet. When you take that first taste, it's good. God is good and God is good all the time. And the psalmist is here saying, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. Now, some of you may determine that you're going to make your own way and you're going to find your own way. Some of you young people may even be now in the valley of decision. Should I trust the Lord? Or should I go out on my own and make my own way and make my own decisions? I'm here to tell you that God could lead you a whole lot better than you could lead yourself. In fact, the Lord knows a whole lot more about how you think than you know how to think. And guess what? The Bible says that God created you. The Bible says that you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not one hair on your head that has not been numbered. God knows exactly how you work, and he knows exactly how to make you happy. And if you trust the Lord, God's going to bring you to a place of satisfaction. But some are not going to do that. They're going to go out and try to find their own relationship. Young people, I want to encourage you. You need to be patient when it comes to relationships. There are some things that are worse than being single. Now, some of you aren't going to listen to the things that the preacher is saying, and you're going to have to learn lessons the hard way. I used to have drill sergeants that would tell me that experience will be your teacher. If you're not smart enough to learn it any other way, and that's the Baptist version. <laughs> you know, if you want experience to be your teacher, you're going to have a tough ride. I want to tell you something. The Bible says this. The way of the transgressor is hard and nothing you say or do is going to change that but I want to say this too taste and see that the Lord is good on the flip side of the way of the transgressor is the way of the Lord and I want to encourage those of you who are sitting under the sound of my voice commit your way to the Lord even if right now things aren't working out you know David wasn't getting it the way he ordered then but he still found it in his heart to praise the Lord David was living in a cave, but he still said, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. He was encouraging other people to taste that the Lord was good. Notice what his admonition is in verse number 9. Fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. The Lord's going to provide for me. You know, sometimes when you're going through a time of trouble, you're trusting in something that hasn't happened yet. You got any prayers that God hasn't answered yet? You know what's going to bring those prayers to fruition? Faith. Trust in God. You know, there's some problems you can't fix, but God can fix them. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. There's no want to them that fear him. Then he talks about these other things in verse number 10 about, you know, he's using nature. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. The admonition that I find in verses number 1 through 10 is when we go through times of distress and suffering, first of all, we still need to be finding ourselves praising the Lord and blessing the Lord at all times. Do not fail to have a time of worship in your life. Now listen, we come to corporate worship, if you will. If you'd like to call it corporate worship, you know, there's certain things you can't solve when you're watching a service online. That's not assembling. Now, I understand that there are times when that's the best you can do. I am not criticizing that. What I am saying is that God saw fit to put this time of assembly here. And he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Listen, coming together as a church is important. Yeah. 
It's very important. And it's important for us to see each other and bear each other's burdens and pray with one another. This church has a variety of quality servants. I mean, this church has a variety of people who I know and it's evident to me that they love the Lord. But still, we need each other. We need the assembly when we come together to worship. It's a good thing. But that does not replace what happens with you in private. Tomorrow you start your work week, probably. You need to spend time in this book. You need to separate time. You won't do what you don't plan for, by the way. Say, oh, pastor, I'm so busy. We got a world full of people who are very busy, but they're not so busy that we're not getting on Facebook all the time. You need the book more than you need to peruse Facebook. I mean, are you hearing me? I hope you're hearing me. I mean, this book is more important than Facebook. And by the way, I don't get all my spiritual help from Facebook. If that's where you get your spiritual help from, you're doing something you oughtn't to do. God designs the local church to help you with matters spiritual. I'm not saying you can't get anything from it, but I'm telling you, people are relying on that today. And I'm here to tell you that the local church provides that which we need. And we ought to come together and assemble. We ought to praise the Lord together, but in private. We need to spend quiet time. You know, I used to go to a camp called, uh, it was up in Wisconsin, it was called Camp Joy. And they would have a time together where they would encourage people, don't talk to each other. In the morning, before breakfast, just grab your Bible, head out to this little lake. I caught a five and a half pound bass in that lake. It was a great day in my life. We were trolling. <laughs> it was great. I'm sorry, it was a rabbit trail. But you go out there and there was a flat calm on the water. And there were people out there just opening up their Bibles and spending what they called it was God and I time. You know, if all of us Christians would spend some God and I time, there'd be some more harmony in our homes. Be some more harmony in your life. Because, hey, I spent some time with the Lord and God gave me something today. Your God and I time should have Bible reading. It should have prayer where you pour out your heart to the Lord. And even if you can't sing very good, you ought to be able to worship the Lord in song to praise the Lord. And sometimes people will play a song or some music that will help them in their Christian life. And I would encourage you to do that as well. But no matter how far you go, no matter what's taking place in your life, you need to worship the Lord. It needs to be a daily part of your life. You need to spend time with the Lord. And you certainly don't need to forsake blessing the Lord and praising the Lord during times of distress. You don't need to be missing the times of assembly. The worst thing you can do when you're under distress is absent yourself from the times of assembly. This is what David said, verse 3. Come on. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. He was in distress. He understood that people needed to come together. Some of you are going through grief. Some of you are going through pain. Some of you are going through physical ailments. If God be in your helper and you can be in the Lord's house, do everything you can to be here. It's good for your soul. David did a lot to encourage the believers in verses 1 through 10. And I hope that tonight... You've been encouraged no matter what you're going through. Give God your heart. Give God your time. And allow Him to work in your life. Allow Him to be front and center. In closing, I'd like to say, your problem should never become your God. You shouldn't think about your problems more than you think about God. And when you think about your problems more than you think about God, that's what you're doing. You're sitting at the altar of your problems and you're putting all your focus on on them. And that's what's good about coming to the times of assembly. 
is we get to come in here and you know what you should do? You should put blinders on and you should separate all the things, all the pressures of life. And when you come into worship God, you should let your praise and your worship go to the Lord that he might be able to hear your voice. Listen, has God not been good to us? Has God not provided for all of our needs? We serve a God who is worthy to be trusted. And he's going to help you get through. Let's stand together as we prepare for this verse of invitation. As we play this number, maybe God would work in your heart to come down to the altar to pray about something. Maybe there's a a family member you're praying for, something heavy that's on your heart. We're going to give some moments of reflection, meditation. Maybe you're going through some times of difficulty. You need time to bring things before the Lord. We invite you to come.